the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In Pinellas Park, W262CP Bayonet Point. Brought to you by Moss Nissan. Locations in Newport Ridge. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Odyssey. The following program was pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse. Sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. He applies the principles of judgment to the Jewish person, and he shows in this passage that the things the Jew has confidence in to get him to heaven won't cut it. There are three things that Paul Paul says the Jew trusted in. Three things the Jew has confidence in, and Paul's going to slash them all and show them that it's a false confidence. And he's going to tear down their security and tear down their confidence. Why? Because in the next chapter, he's going to tell them that they're only sense of security and confidence must be in the righteousness of Christ that they're to get to heaven. I know someone who jokingly says that he puts great trust in fools. He says that his wife calls that self-confidence. Where do you put your confidence? Now, some of us trust in technology, some in education, some in goodwill, some in politics, and the list goes on. When it comes to entering heaven, who or what do you trust? That is the ultimate question, isn't it? We may have all the confidence in the world, but if it is misplaced, we are in trouble. Thankfully, God gave us the passage we are about to study today to sort it all out. Welcome to Verse by Verse, a daily Bible class taught by Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve has been the teaching pastor at Lakeside since 1981. At Verse by Verse Ministries, we are blessed to have the privilege of adapting his clear, expository messages to radio format. Today we begin a three-part message that will deal with Romans chapter 2, verses 17 through 24. It's part of Pastor Steve's series of messages from the first three chapters of this amazing book. Let's now consider the dangers of false confidence. Here is Pastor Steve. Very key portion in the Word of God, very important portion in the book of Romans. Chapter 2, beginning at verse 17. But if you bear the name Jew and rely upon the law and boast in God and know His will and approve the things that are essential, being instructed out of the law, and are confident that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, a corrector of the foolish, a teacher of the immature, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and of the truth. You, therefore, who teach another, do you not teach yourself? You who preach that one should not steal, do you steal? You who say that one should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You boast in the law, though through your breaking the law, do you dishonor God? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, just as it is written. Have you ever had someone directly confront you about something wrong in your life? 
someone directly confronts us, we tend to defend ourselves with excuses or we try to justify our actions because we have a hard time seeing our sin as clearly as others do. It's a very difficult thing to convince somebody that he or she has sin in, in their life, in a particular area, and the direct approach isn't always the approach that works best. The Old Testament prophet by the name of Nathan was well aware of the fact that the direct approach wasn't always the best. He was given the assigned task of confronting the king of Israel, David, with the sin that he had been involved in. Not just with one sin, but a multitude of sins, a group of interrelated sins. David had committed adultery with a woman by the name of Bathsheba, and she had become pregnant. In addition to this, David tried to cover up his sin by recalling her husband, Uriah, from the battlefield with the thought that Uriah would have relations with his wife and it would appear that the child was then his and not David's. But that didn't work. So David made sure that when Uriah was sent back into the army to do battle, he made sure that Uriah would be placed on the front line and that others would conveniently withdraw from him when the enemy converged on Israel. In other words, David planned the man's murder. He may not have directly murdered him, but indirectly he made sure that he was murdered. Now, it was the prophet Nathan's task to convince David that he had sinned. It was very important to the nation of Israel. It was very important to David that, that David become well aware of the fact that he had done wrong in the eyes of the Lord. David tried to cover up his sin, and Nathan needed to expose him for his hypocrisy. And so Nathan, instead of using the direct approach, used the indirect approach. And I'd like you to turn your Bibles to 2 Samuel, way back in the Old Testament, to 2 Samuel chapter 12. Nathan told David a story that illustrated a great sin and injustice. 2 Samuel 12 says this, Then the Lord sent Nathan to, to David, and he came to him, and he said, there were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor, and the rich man had a great many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, which he bought and nourished. And it grew up together with him and his children. It would eat of his bread and drink of his cup and lie in his bosom. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, and he was unwilling to take from his own flock or his own herd to prepare the wayfarer who had come to him. Rather, he took the poor man's ewe lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Then David's anger burned greatly against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, surely the man who has done this, des uh, this deserves to die. Now, Nathan has been indirect. He has said, David, there's a terrible injustice done terrible sin that's taken place. David was annoyed. In verse 6, he says he must make restitution for the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and had no compassion. Now, Nathan's got David exactly where he wants him. Now, it's time to be blunt and direct. And he says in verse 7, Nathan then said to David, You are the man. Thou art the man, David. 
You're the one. Now it's time for application. You're the one who is wrong. This story is just a story to point out to you your sin. And David got the point. In verse 13, the Bible says, Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Now, what does this have to do with Romans chapter 2? If you'll turn back to Romans, let me explain. In Romans chapter 2, Paul has been given a similar task of confronting the Jewish people with the truth that they were just as sinful as the Gentiles and just as deserving of God's wrath and God's judgment. And his approach has been very similar to Nathan's. If you think back for a moment to the first 16 verses of this chapter, which we've been studying for a few weeks, you'll recall that not one time in this whole uh, first half of this chapter does Paul ever mention the Jew by name. He says in verse 1, Therefore you are without excuse every what? Man of you. He never mentions the Jew. Verse 3, And do you suppose this, O man? He says, O man. He calls him man. He's very indirect. His approach is similar to Nathan's. And some have concluded by this, by the fact that he's not, uh, he's never mentioned the Jews by name, some have concluded that he's not speaking to the Jews. He's speaking to the Gentile moralists. Many Bible teachers say that. But I think they're wrong. I think they're very wrong. And I'm convinced he's referring to the religious Jew. And what Paul is doing is he's, he's using, in the first 16 verses, the indirect approach to convince them of their need for genuine salvation. They didn't have true salvation. They were trusting in things other than the righteousness of Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he takes 16 verses to deal with very broad and very general principles of divine judgment. That's all he's doing in the first 16 verses. He says in verse 2 that judgment is according to truth. God knows the truth. Very broad, very general. He says in verse 6 that it's according to works. It's according to our deeds. God judges based on on deeds. In verse 11, he says God judges based on fairness and impartiality. And Paul now, after giving broad, general principles, sort of slips up on the religious Jews by by, uh, saying, giving principles in such broad and general terms that he's got the Jewish readers in, in a sense nodding their heads in approval. Yes, we agree. Yes, it makes sense. And while they're nodding their heads in approval, Paul says in effect, thou art the man. You're the one who's guilty. He's saying, now let's apply it. And that's what he does in verses 17 all the way to the end of the chapter, verses, verse 29. You see, starting with verse 17, Paul gets very direct. That's why he says in verse 17, but if you bear the name Jew, first time in the whole chapter, he's called them by name. As they're saying, yes, Paul, you're right. You're right. He says, now let's apply it. You are the ones I'm referring to. Now that I've got you agreeing with the principles, let's do some application. So starting with verses 17 and going all the way to the end of the chapter, Paul He shifts gears and he directly charges the religious Jew of the first century with having a false sense of security. That's what this whole passage is about. False confidence. I call this passage false confidence. He applies the principles of judgment to the Jewish person and he shows in this passage that the things the Jew has confidence in to get him to heaven won't cut it. There are three things that Paul Paul says the Jew trusted in. 
Three things the Jew has confidence in, and Paul's going to slash them all and show them that it's a false confidence. And he's going to tear down their security and tear down their confidence. Why? Because in the next chapter, he's going to tell them that their only sense of security and confidence must be in the righteousness of Christ that they're to get to heaven. But the Jew has three things he trusted in. Number one, his relationship with the law of Moses. His relationship with the law of Moses. Two, his role towards the Gentiles. He saw himself as a teacher of the ignorant Gentiles. And we're going to look at that, these two truths, these two uh, things he trusted in this week. And next week, Lord willing, we'll look at the ritual of circumcision. He trusted in his ritual of circumcision. But I, I don't want you to think that this is just academic. Let's just see what the Jew of the first century believed. These are truths that really are applied to the 20th century religious person, the churchgoer, the person who calls himself a Christian, but isn't. The person who is self-deceived, the person who trusts in his relationship with the scriptures, his knowledge of the Bible, who trusts in his role as, as a teacher of the less fortunate. We're going to see how these truths really apply to our lives today. But let's look, first of all, at the Jews' relationship with the law of Moses. Pastor Steve will get to that in just a minute. We would like to welcome you if you just tuned in. You are listening to Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve has an opportunity to tell you about right now. Hi, this is Steve Kreloff. I wanted to take a few moments today to tell you how pleased I am that you're listening to Verse by Verse. Our goal here at Verse by Verse is to teach people the Word of God so that they'll be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ and glorify God. I hope that you've been learning and growing in your faith as you've listened to our broadcasts. As a faithful listener to these broadcasts, I feel you should know that Verse by Verse needs your financial support. It's costly to prepare and broadcast these programs, and we can only continue to do so if our listeners support this ministry. So I would ask you to please consider giving a gift as a way of saying thank you to the Lord for providing this program to help you in your Christian walk. All gifts to Verse by Verse are tax deductible. You can give via PayPal on our website, which is versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio.org. Or you can send your gift to Verse by Verse Ministries, P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. That's Verse by Verse Ministries, P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. Thank you, and may our Lord richly bless and strengthen you as you listen to him speak, verse by verse. St. Augustine said, One should never judge a philosophy by its abuse. Nevertheless, many people ridicule the name of Christ because of the behavior of some people who call themselves Christians. Here is Pastor Steve now to apply what we just read about the first century religious Jews to 21st century religious Christians. The Jew of Paul's day believed that he was right with God because of his relationship and knowledge of the Old Testament law. And maybe Paul means more than just the five books of Moses, the law, uh, what's called the Torah. Maybe Paul means the revealed word of God, the Old Testament revelation. He says in verses 17 and 18, But if you bear the name Jew and rely upon the law and boast in God and know his will and approve the things that are essential being instructed out of the law, let's stop there. Verse 17 clearly identifies who he's referring to, the person who bears the name Jew. Uh, the children of Israel were the covenant people of God. And back in their history, they came to be referred to 
as Jews. It probably started after the, after the Babylonian captivity, back in the book of Daniel. And this term Jew or Jews comes from the word Judah. Judah. That was one of the tribes of Israel, but when the kingdom split, northern kingdom was called Israel, the southern kingdom was called Judah, and when they went into captivity, most of them were from the southern kingdom of Judah. Not all of them, but most of them. And even when they came back into the land, that name stuck. And so they came to be called Jews. Now, don't be confused by this, because the Bible has basically three names to refer to the covenant people of God. Uh, they are called the Israelites, and that relates them to the lands of Israel. In fact, today they want to be identified with that, that name, the Israelites, Israelis. They're also called Hebrews, and that name relates them to their language. It is the Hebrew language. But the name Jew relates them to their religion and their beliefs and the whole system of belief. In fact, in the New Testament, Paul referred to himself with three, three of these phases. He called himself a Jew, a Hebrew, an Israelite. He refers to the same people, just identifies them differently. And they were proud of that name because that name identified that the Jew with the chosen people of God. It hooked him up in a relationship with Abraham. And he was pleased with that. It identified who he was. Now, as Jews, they had a unique relationship with God. God had revealed to them his law, his, his mind, his revelation. And this set them apart from everyone else. They were different than the pagans. They were different from the Gentiles. The Gentiles were involved in philosophy. The Gentiles were involved in idolatry. The Gentiles were involved in superstition, but not the Jew. He had the law. In fact, it says in verse 17, let's just go down this. He said that you rely upon the law. They relied upon it. Now, I take it what Paul means here is that they thought that by keeping the law, they could earn salvation. They relied upon that law. They believed it. But they believed also that they could get to heaven by keeping the law and the festivals and the feasts and all the sacrificial things that went on. Secondly, he boasted in God. He bragged. The Jew bragged about the fact that he knew about the true God and his neighbors didn't. Others didn't, but he did. He thought he was an exclusive object of God's love. The Jews looked upon themselves as friends and favorites of Jehovah and the Gentiles as God's enemies. They had names for Gentiles. They called them things like, like uncircumcised dogs. But they boasted that they knew God. Not only that, but he knew God's will, and he did. He knew God's will. Why? Because he knew the law of God. The law of God, the word of God is, reveals the mind of God. And he approved, the Bible says, the things that are essential, being instructed out of law. In other words, because they received theological training in the law, they understood what God's will was, even to the point of making fine hairline distinctions over what's right and wrong. They could discern what was good and what was the best, what was right and what was wrong. They were able to make proper judgments and evaluations in the law. They knew what was right and they knew what was wrong. That's what Paul is saying. The Jews' relationship with the law was unique. He had been taught it by his father. When he went to synagogue, he was taught it by the rabbis. He had heard it all of his life at home, in the synagogue, at school. In fact, this word, instructed, in verse 18 we get an English word from this Greek word, and that's catechism. 
The Jew was, was involved in catechism. What is that? It means by oral instruction, that, that type of oral uh, type of format, there was a question and answer period of instruction. The rabbi would ask a question, the Jew would answer it. The rabbi would ask it again and again and again, and, and just by rote memory and, and rote repetition, the Jew would learn it. He had memorized it. He could even tell you how many letters were in a certain book of the Old Testament. The Jew knew the Bible forwards, backwards. Now, doesn't he remind you of someone else? This person who bears the name Jew. Doesn't he remind you of the religious churchgoer today? The person who, while he may not bear the name Jew, he bears the name Christian. He's very proud of that name because it identifies him with the church and with the person of Jesus Christ. In fact, he's so proud of that name that if you question whether he's a Christian or not, he gets disturbed. He defends himself by telling you that he bears another name along with the name Christian. Another name that proves he's a Christian. He bears the name Baptist or Presbyterian or Episcopal or Methodist or Catholic. How dare anyone question whether he's a Christian or not? He's got a first name Christian and a last name of some denomination. Not only does he bear the name Christian, Christian Baptist, Christian Catholic, Christian Protestant, Christian Episcopal, Christian Presbyterian or Methodist, but he relies upon the Bible, maybe even the gospel truth. He's been taught it from a child at home and even in Sunday school all of his life. He can tell you all the facts about the gospel. He even agrees with you that it takes belief in the gospel of Jesus Christ to get to heaven. He boasts in God. Sure he does. He's proud of the fact that he knows the truth about God, that he comes from a rich heritage where the truth was taught. He's not like those unenlightened natives in distant lands. No, he, he knows the truth. He may even be a name dropper. Sure, he might, he might tell you that he was talking with uh, Billy Graham the other day, and he calls him Billy. Billy and I were discussing things, or, or instead of Dr. McGee and he, it was Jay Vernon and he. Maybe even Jay. They were discussing some spiritual truth. Sure, he's proud of that fact. He goes to Bible conferences and he knows the speakers by their first name. And this man knows God's will. He probably has four different Bible versions in his home. He has, probably has a Bible laid out on a coffee table. He's gone to Sunday school and church most of his life. He's familiar with almost every Bible story that's in the book. He even listens to Christian radio, and he likes the big three, McGee, Swindoll, and MacArthur. He knows exactly when they're on. He knows exactly what they've said. He's probably even seen them at certain conferences. You see, the religious churchgoer of the 20th century is really no different than the religious Jew of the 1st century. They both have the same problem. What is their problem? Pride. An arrogant spirit. They consider themselves to be superior to others. They're, they think they're a cut above everybody else. And rather than seeing their advantages and their privileges as evidences of God's grace in their life, they see them as demonstrations of God's favor with them. It's not just that they have the blessing of God, it's that they think they deserve the blessing of God, that it's somehow coming to them. And by the way, none of these privileges are wrong. God gave them his law. God gave them his word. God gave them knowledge of the truth. In fact, these are wonderful, except when you start trusting in them for salvation. 
When you begin to think that your spiritual advantages give you a special standing before God, then you're in big trouble, eternal trouble. That's a false security. It's a false confidence. I hope you will stay with us throughout this series. As God chops through our false confidence, it hurts. It's a little like debridement, which is the process of removing dead tissue from a burn so that healthy tissue can grow. But once our false confidences are removed, we can then place our total trust in the one who is able to do for us what we could never do. We're glad to have you with us today for Verse by Verse. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff is leading us in a study of the opening chapters of Romans. Pastor Steve continues to serve as the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, while we at Verse by Verse Ministries adapt his messages to the Bible study of the air format. We are a faith ministry supported by the prayers and gifts of listeners who are first faithful to their own churches. If you would like to hear today's class again, visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. You can listen online or download it for later. That's versebyverseradio.org. Our class today was the start of a three-part message. If you would like to order a CD or a cassette version of the entire message, you can order it by phone. Just call us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.